0: Chala de hideo, the hide the hideo
2: Chala de Hideo, happily ever after.
0: the de Hideo, the Hide Hade Hideo. Tala de ho happily ever after. A Tala de Hide Ho, the princess she walk happily home. Tala de Hide Ho, she live happily ever after.
2: Hello everyone, and welcome back to What the Folklore Making Sense of Senseless Tales. I am your storyteller Carmen.
0: Crime Weaver Tyler.
1: I'm Gordy uh observer of signs how we doing on that front this might be it oh (laughs) the sign yeah this 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 might be it i i was i was clearing off you know just doing some some tidying uh and and there was a post-it note under some some mail that i was that i was putting away and it just said the end (laughs) question like the end of a kirby game
0: Hmm. where mm-hmm.
1: they're like ah oh, you beat it but did you really but did you get all the secrets yeah uh and and i didn't write it because i don't know what that note to myself could, could mean i hope i didn't write it because that seems like a pretty grim thing <laughs> to leave for yourself for later
2: you're just Was it having a, a secret window experience
1: an
0: unfamiliar handwriting
1: it's not don't think it's mine <laughs> It is definitely it was it was pretty legible, Um,
0: so I don't think it was written by me. Uh, A bit of a tangent immediately. Great, perfect. Yeah, Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Um, I watched a movie last night called "Timber the Treasure Dog." Cool from twenty sixteen. All right, Uh, it has a brief cameo of um, Wilford Brimley in it. Yeah, playing a character named Hawk Jones, who is kind of like an ancient Indiana Jones. Ancient
2: uh, as in like elderly, or ancient yes. as in from the past.
0: No, ancient is in elderly because it is Wilfred Brimley.
2: Okay,
0: um, and he dies in the opening minutes of the film. <laughs> Wilfred Brimley does. Yeah, he and his uh, treasure-seeking husky, who's I, th- I think his name is Monty. He doesn't matter. He's just the grandfather of the important dog to the movie. Mm. Uh, they were seeking a treasure in a cave, and then a little bit of a a little bit of like a cave-in happens, and the ground in front of Wilfred Brimley gives out. So there's like a little bit of a hop and he's just like, I'm not going to make that jump. <laughs> and so he just decides to die uh, in this cave. Anyway, that's all irrelevant. Um, the he, thing that I wanted he, to bring he up... Gandalfs himself. He does. <laughs> the thing that I wanted to bring up is that the movie is about his great-great-grandson and the great-great-granddog working together to find his treasure that he leaves clues and maps to around Montana. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And (laughs) these are supposed to be really, really old notes and clues and stuff that they find, but when they do find it, it is on, like, lined sheets of paper from, like, a notebook, and the script on it is just hand... They are handwritten, but they... (sighs) I wish I could just show you a picture because they're almost like bubble letters that <laughs> I'm just imagining Wilfred Brimley going over and over again in his ballpoint pen just to make like the serifs on some of them bigger and smaller. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's a weird it was a weird way to handwrite a note to specifically well, make it look mystical.
2: Little hearts above the eyes. Yeah. As you do when you are leaving treasure clues.
0: Yeah. And cool. just. Cool. Trying to imagine like an Indiana Jones figure painstakingly writing a note just so that it looks cool for whoever if, finds it.
1: If the real Wilford Brimley left you treasure notes and maps, would you follow them? I mean, why not?
2: Yeah. What, el- what else are we doing? Can you give you me think? a
1: reason not to? Um, I think not in this case. Uh, there, there, are, there are other people who, if they left me treasure maps, I think I would disregard them or or report them
2: uh who who is on the report the treasure map list for you
1: uh i think kevin spacey for sure yeah, certainly that's like i've i've long maintained that like if kevin spacey knocked on my door and said i'm i my car broke down i would be like all right i guess i'll call somebody but you wait outside <laughs> uh obviously Nicolas cage is a, is a must follow uh, I would, yeah. I would say Busemi. I would, I oh, you you would disregard in that case. Yeah,
0: I'm just not interested in whatever treasure he has. I, you don't think, you don't think, you don't think Buscemi treasure is is worth following. He's, he's he's a fine enough gentleman, but I'm just not interested in his material possessions.
1: Yeah, I I don't know that he's not, and this probably speaks well of him. He's he's just not like a materialistic, um. <laughs> enough guy for me to think that that has a big payoff at the end of it yeah
2: I would brimley sus-
1: i i bet i bet he does somewhere i don't know what it is but
2: i would be suspect of a danny devito treasure
1: hunt <laughs> i'd i'd go to the ends of the earth to find a danny devito <laughs> treasure you're, you're
0: would- gonna go to the ends of the earth and it's gonna be
1: an egg that's that like a fine. chicken egg <laughs> that is i think that is the the epitome of the the journey is going to be better
0: for these trying than,
1: times than whatever treasure i find like that is the the real treasure is the friends i'm going to meet along the way and, <laughs> that's and, fair and it and it could be anything
2: That yeah that's that's true i i don't have the time for a danny devito treasure but a I, would, I would i would, I would message it to you and then request that you record the process. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a that's a podcast.
2: <laughs> the Danny Devito Se- Treasure Se- hunt. Searching
0: for Danny Devito's Hidden Treasures. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen For whom's treasure would you go to the end of the earth?
2: <sighs> that's a good question.
0: Like Ursula Le Guin or something? <laughs>
2: Um, I guess maybe Ursula Le Guin, because I am sort of doing that with the book I'm trying to read right <laughs> now. Uh, so the I picked up uh, from a thrift store. Read? Yeah, it's Always Coming Home.
0: Not familiar. Yes.
2: Yeah, it, it just it just so happens to be by Ursula K. Le Guin, Tyler. That's a, that is the book I am reading right <laughs> well, now. Well, there you go. So uh, I'm going to call that... Uh, Confluence, but it's a book that requires a lot of trust from the reader, like a lot of trust from the reader, more so than average. Because, um, like, all the.
0: In what sense?
2: So, you know how there's usually a summary of a book on the back so you have some idea of what you're getting into?
0: Sure. Yeah. A
2: summary of this book is, is basically just more repetition of all the little quotes and snippets about, like, this is a masterpiece and it's uh, visionary and unusual. So you, and, you go
0: inside unseen
2: yeah uh and the reason for that is that how the hell would you summarize this thing um mm-hmm. so it starts out no like one even author, wanted to take
0: a run at it
2: the author forward i think explicitly asks for trust okay <laughs> uh, it's like just i've take the sleep with me <laughs> i've included on these pages like a summary of some stuff if you want to if, if you must but i would encourage you to just like trust me and, and like things will be revealed Oh, and I was like, all right, Ursula K. Le Guin. <laughs> I, I guess uh, uh, I'll put myself in your hands here. And it is a very unusual story because um, it does not follow any known structures. <laughs> um, like, it starts out seeming like a an ordinary fantasy story that tosses you deep into its language and its lore without a lot of explanations. So you're just like, okay, I'm gonna see. Wait for any of these things to, to make sense, and then it stops abruptly, and becomes a nonfiction piece about a fictional culture. Okay. So it's it's then it's taken out of that narration and into is it like a like,
0: guidebook or something?
2: Kind of, yeah. Taken into almost a uh, an anthropological study. Interesting of the thing and it includes some explanations of certain things um it includes folklore like made-up folklore that's not at all connected to that original narrative that you are reading it's (laughs) its own folklore um collections of poems and songs uh with a a little like some anthropological notes involved there uh maps and illustrations (laughs) for a little bit um and so, like, I was finding it really difficult to keep going. It's like, all right, well, this might just be one for the, the thrift store pile again. But I, I kept on, and it's like slowly becoming a time traveling portal fantasy. <laughs> it is the the story of a future California civilization, as told by the present California civilization, after like a, a future civilization after a major cataclysmic. <sighs> world event
0: it sounds less like you're reading a book and more like you're fighting it
2: it it is a little (laughs) bit of a a battle um it's picked up with the original narrative again some 200 pages back into it (laughs) so uh and that stops again soon to talk about plays (laughs) sounds sounds good (laughs) it's an experience um i don't I don't think it's going to make it into my uh, like need to keep it on the bookshelf for future cravings of that story pile.
0: I mean, I might take it off your hands when you're done.
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, go for it. I'll, I'll give it a look. It's I, an. I, I think it's an it. interesting first read. Definitely, like set aside the time for it though, mm-hmm. because since it lacks that kind of narrative structure going through it, and it does just sort of toss you into the deep end with Mm. the made-up culture and a lot of words that aren't words we use in the way that they're using them um it it is a little bit of a a slog in the beginning
0: is it long or just dense or both? yeah it's
2: long it's 500 pages okay yeah it's that's been that's been the experience, but apparently, yes, if Ursula K. Le Guin created a treasure hunt, which this book is essentially.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're already doing it. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm, I'm stuck in it. Apparently,
1: there are. <clears throat> I mean, Ur- Ursula K. Le Guin, if if she says like just just trust me, this is going somewhere that I I will I will say yes. Take me <laughs> yeah. to take me to wherever you're gonna go
2: i i didn't He's... i didn't give uh dr strange and mr norrell the same trust never made it past <laughs> that after several tries to start but um uh, yeah ursula k Le Guin has earned it
1: wait dr who what
2: the the book um
1: jonathan jonathan strange?
2: strange and mr norrell that one
1: uh oh who is that is that susanna clark yeah yeah oh
2: i've heard really good things I just couldn't get into it.
0: I don't know about that. Piranesi's really good. Yeah, Piranesi's excellent. Okay,
2: I'll have to give that
0: a shot. I should give you that one, Carmen. I I need to finish the books
2: you've already lent me. I'll
0: just keep piling them on. It don't matter. (laughs) I've got your pile,
2: and then I've got my pile of things (laughs) that I've picked up, and that's starting to get a little teetery. Piranesi's a brisk one, too.
0: You could get through that one in
1: a couple sittings. Piranesi rips ass, like, start to front. It's, it's okay. hard to put
0: down.
2: All right, I'll have to give that one a shot.
0: <clears throat> anyway, while we're still in Tangent Town, yeah. Carmen, it sounds like you had one too. <laughs> you had Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just get, this is just sort of an airing of grievances. Of grou-
2: yeah, yeah. Um, j- like, just to to keep the listeners on on the page with us for a moment, we are a folklore podcast, I promise. <laughs> and we will, in fact, be reading a folktale today. It is also a very short folktale today um
1: we've got we've got time to kill
2: yeah it's 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 one that I would not normally pick for the show except that it is just it is just perfect for the two of you so <laughs> right, um, I I had to do this one but yeah we do have time to pad and I have beef with fucking Gordy <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I love beef do you it's my favorite I meat a,
2: I have quite a helping for you <laughs> um so yeah you told us about the love is blind season two situation sure and it, it was an intriguing enough premise that I, I looked it up on YouTube and found like a, a goofy person complaining about the first season with animations <laughs> that were a, a little more exaggerated than I generally care for um, I thought that was it but that was I had gotten the, the taste of the thing and that was good and then we were like on Netflix and it happened to be the top thing and because Eric had heard about it from you and we didn't have anything better lined up that night. We we're just kind of looking for something easy. Started season two. Haven't watched season one, so I don't yes. know how they differ. Um, but I do know at it's... this point that I'm going to find out, and I'm mad at you about it.
1: It's it's a pretty similar experience, I would say.
2: It's been and, a wild ride, <laughs> and,
1: and not easy material. It's it's pretty challenging stuff.
2: It's yeah, it's oddly dense <laughs> for. Uh... For a show, it's very weirdly paced. I was not expecting a redemption arc to be a part of this.
1: A redemption arc for whomst?
2: For shake.
1: uh is is Ish. that what happened?
2: I, I, it's hard to say. I am constantly back A self
1: redemption arc is that a yeah, thing for... that you can do?
2: Because like he starts it with the the most shallow questions and everything and then it seems like he's shaken into realizing that he's a shallow asshole but then he he goes back and forth a lot and so i just i don't know i'm not to the end of it yet um on account of every episode is a dang hour long yeah and i i have never been so enthralled and angry
1: (laughs) yeah there's a lot there's a lot happening (laughs) <laughs> there
2: is a lot happening.
1: For, has... for, for the viewers who might not be familiar, this is, this is a show where people go into pods and they get to know each other for up to 10 days. Uh, and then they, they propose and then they get to see each other for the first time, ostensibly testing the question, can you fall in love with somebody without seeing them? with with the qualifiers that you have to fall in love with them within ten days and if you don't fall in love and propose you do not get to be on the show anymore
2: yeah there were a lot of interesting people who seemed interesting on account of they were not completely unhinged
1: yeah I, um. I cannot imagine like the the pressure like you're yeah. you're on the show and you're like ah shit like I like, it, it it makes it look like there's some genuine connections happening and maybe there are it's possible but, but also i'm sure you've got producers like whispering oh. in your ear like hey are you are you going to propose cuz like we we only have a certain number of slots here and if you want one you got to you got to say you're going to marry somebody
2: i've <laughs> never seen quite so many terrified eyes in interviews on a show before yeah <laughs> just like abject horror
1: you say
0: that the eyes are communicating something that the rest of them is not
2: (laughs) yeah there's a lot of like denial and and such and and because of that premise of of, like you're not on the show unless you propose uh the people who kind of make it into the spotlight on there are the ones who are either just extremely desperate or very narcissistic primarily it seems I have yeah. never shouted therapy at the television quite so often as I have during the course of this show.
1: Like I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's pressure from like you know pr- producers, etc. Oh, yeah. Also, like these these people are like hopped up on on oxytocin and <laughs> and they're and... also.
2: They are pouring alcohol down these people's throats at like every yes. turn.
1: Yes, they are. They have. I don't access think there's a sober a lot of moment.
2: <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's a sober moment on this show. <laughs> um,
1: uh, in in the first season, you're going to see a lady let a dog drink out of her wine glass.
2: Great! I look forward to <laughs> that. If, if
1: you if you go check that one out, I
2: it's I'm so I I would like to see. A version of the show because the the premise is interesting to a point and then it becomes insane
1: it is it is a fascinating question of like can you can you make a genuine emotional and or romantic connection with somebody without without seeing them without like
2: yeah the body
1: language without knowing if you're attracted to them
2: and how long well will that last
1: yeah and like does that does that bear out in in the real world and they and they could have said you have 10 days to like ask them on a date and we're gonna follow you across like a couple of dates and and then see like do you want to stay in a relationship with this person and they don't they don't do that they say no you got to get engaged to somebody
2: yeah they put the like it's it's a most american-esque Way to handle this show, I feel, um, which is to take interesting premise and then push it to insanity. It's as I have described to somebody. It's like the Tiger King, if the concept of love was the animal that was being abused on the on the TV screen. Um, yeah. And it's a little bit like that Cake Boss show that we watched when we ran out of Great British Baking Company stuff, where it's just like, all right, we have these interesting challenges that on their own, given all of the resources you need, would be a challenge, but now you also have to hoof it across New York for some reason. And we're going to chuck your cake in the garbage, if you are the last one there. It starts out with, like, two hosts who aren't on the show enough for me to remember that they exist. Uh, And one of them wears Nick
1: Lachey and Nick Lachey's wife.
2: (laughs) Nick Lachey and and sleeves, as I think of her, because all of her outfits have sleeves that are like a human torso in width and go up to her ears. It is a very interesting silhouette she she creates. Um, So they, it's a standard intro to a reality show and then it turns real dystopian almost immediately with the setup of the pods it's like oh we're in a a cyberpunk dystopian future hell (laughs) they love pod
1: though these people love pod
2: (laughs) pod is once they
1: once they get out they they miss the pod
2: i I mean i would too those pods look cozy they have really soft blankets in them i would go to pod
1: does pod have food
2: pod have alcohol
1: they, they <laughs> that's close yeah, enough i guess they have access to food to alcohol to writing implements <laughs> um, yeah i
2: would i would do this show just to have 10 days to sit in a bunch of cozy blankets talk to some weirdos and write a story while that's happening because <laughs> they give you a notebook and a pen and that's all i need for entertainment yeah <laughs> I think it would be a really interesting experiment if it also included a couples therapist as a required experience, or,
1: or if it included any like I- any kind of of scientific guidelines
2: at all. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's not really an experiment; it's just it's just nonsense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the 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 concept, like the um, what am I trying to say the the premise of the show is like is is love blind, and and they're gonna they're gonna say yes like at the end they're just like yeah i guess love is really blind um even though that is not really what is what is being tested and there's quite a bit of evidence to the contrary
0: (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) and the show does things like try and throw obstacles at the couples for them to to test like Here's this hot person that you also talked to in the pod. Let's put you in contact with them and see how that affects your current relationship with all of these emotionally unstable people who need therapy, not a relationship. Because (laughs) the reasons their relationships have gone poorly in the past is because of deep-seated insecurities and or horrible behavioral patterns.
0: That they are not examining.
1: Which, which is is surely not going to be solved in this environment.
2: It, it is absolutely not. Like this is the perfect place for that like sunk cost scarcity mentality to fully take hold. Uh, I think I, I said to you, Gordy, it's, it. There are so many couples here where it's like the sunk cost fallacy is the equivalent to finding some change in your couch and then betting the house on it. Yeah. <laughs> Like you're investing the equivalent of loose change, but the risk you're giving is, is your entire <laughs> livelihood and future.
0: Yeah, but think of the payout. I mean, uh, so ultimately I'm the payout.
2: Now and I'm mad at you.
1: Ultimately, the payout is: do I have a career in reality television? <laughs> <laughs> that is, like that's what they they really get out of this. The the goal, yeah. I think, and and like on some level, they have to know that this is this is all bullshit. And <laughs> if they make it to the end, like. You know, yeah, maybe, I think that's maybe this the, is the their fear in the
2: eyes. <laughs> I think that's the fear in the eyes that we're <laughs> but, seeing.
1: But like I guess I guess in this case like to get there they do have to be willing to uh to potentially turn down somebody in front of both of their families. Yeah. Like they have and to be also, willing to say actually I know what I said but I I don't want to marry you. And sorry, sorry, two families. You flew out here for nothing. <laughs> go, go back home now.
2: I mean, we saw that kind of in action in this season.
1: Yeah, you, um, sh- you sure do.
2: Yep. I was screaming at, at that one quite a bit. I've been very emotionally invested past the point where I want to be, and I'm very <laughs> upset that that's. Yeah, a that's, thing. How they, that's how they get you. Yep. Um... But I, I would honestly be interested in trying like a version of this more for friendship and not for marriage. Just like the idea of, just of out, setting up, things. hang out in
0: a pod and meet people.
2: Yeah, where you don't get to to see them. All you have is a voice to get to know them and and just chat. I think that would be a very fascinating experience without the threat. <clears throat> Isn't that of what Discord is? <laughs> Essentially, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess that's that's true. <laughs>
0: So they yeah. turned Discord into a TV show,
2: kind and, of, added, yeah. and, and added marriage, and then added
0: marriage—the threat of marriage—to it. Yeah, and what it
2: is it? a threat. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> like Threat of marriage is the most accurate way to put it.
0: It should have been the name of the show. It's
1: like it is. It is wild. It is wild to me that some of these couples will come to the conclusion, like, "Yeah, love is blind. This is a successful experiment. We, we both <laughs> said yes." Like under under the pressure of like oh shit like if I say if I say no, like in front of in front of both of our families, like the the partner's gonna be pissed. Both the families are gonna be pissed. Uh, like the the social pressure to say yes under those circumstances has to be extremely high. Yeah. And if you succumb to it, you're just like wow yeah love 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 is blind. This this worked.
2: Uh, this probably would not make the network ratings at all, but again, I would love to see a socially responsible version of this. Where it's like... It's it's, it's more... Here's a bunch of people who really want to find love, we're gonna put them in, in this area together, and then we're going to have a therapist present! To talk that, like, after... Seeing them interact with each other, to sit them down and talk them through, like, hey! That was a, a lash out that you did for no reason. Or hey, you're letting your uh, you're projecting, my how friend. Did,
1: how did this conversation turn into an argument? Like on on a dime.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you think that that is a healthy mode of communication? Yeah. And then it could be educational to the viewer, so that they don't think that it's completely normal. To have the kind of commu- uh, communication styles that we're seeing here.
1: To see people, like, desperately push through these issues over a period oh of weeks God. and be like, no, 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 this is, this is fine, <laughs> this is working.
2: We can totally make um, these entirely different value systems mesh together, because it turns out you are hot, and <laughs> I do want to hold on to that. Ugh. <laughs> anyway, we should do a folklore. It's um, about time. Yeah, just return know that I'm to not our, at you to our
1: core competencies.
2: Yes. Well, comp- for a given value of competency.
1: Relative competency.
2: Um, so, we're going to go visit uh, an old hero of ours. Someone we have enjoyed greatly in the past. Do you folks remember Glooscap?
0: Vaguely. It's a name uh, that sticks with you.
2: Yeah, it's the Algonquin folk hero.
0: Mm
2: hmm. Um, he did something involving a turtle like a turtle man turning a man into a turtle I <laughs> seem to recall that doesn't should've. sound familiar I should have just like looked at that <laughs> tail again
0: was that the intended goal or a side effect
2: uh, it was it was this guy named Mick Cheek or Mick Cheech who was a lazy bachelor.
0: And was turned into a turtle.
2: I believe Glooscap turned him into a turtle.
0: I will take your word for it.
2: Uh, we've read a couple of, of his tales. Uh, we read that one and the one where lacrosse was invented.
0: Yes, I yeah. remember that one.
2: Yeah, so this is lacrosseman. Um, so this is an Algonquin tale uh, that was suggested to us by Mersey. Thank you, Mersey. Uh, Thank you. A- Pulled back into our emails this time because again I cannot be controlled and predicted, <laughs> uh, so I went back to like suggestions from years ago in the emails because I do keep them starred. <laughs> uh, and this was the story Gloosecap and the Baby, sourced it's from a for...
0: morning radio show.
2: Yes, <laughs> with all the wacky sound effects and things. And
0: the baby. <laughs> so this was. Uh,
2: source from firstpeople.us and I don't have any other information. It's going to be short and sweet. It's the tolerance for a lot of nonsense at the beginning of this. Um, thank you. <laughs> I, I, like Ursula K. Le Guin, I, yeah. I did ask your <laughs> trust, listener. <laughs> so if you have stuck we, with us... We
0: promise we're going somewhere, probably.
2: <laughs> if you have stuck with us thus far, here now is the yeah. actual folklore payoff. Thank you for... For I giving us that, a shot.
1: that trust is probably a little less bankable than <laughs> Ursula K. Le Guin's. Yeah,
2: we, have, <laughs> we don't have Le Guin levels of of uh, honor and <laughs> reasons to trust us. But who us. does? No, no, not a lot of people. All right, you two ready for Glooscap and the baby?
0: Yes, yeah. All
2: right, so Glooscap had conquered at this point a race of giants and magicians, a uh, wicked spirit of the night whose name was Pamela, which is a pretty, pretty solid uh, wicked spirit <laughs> name. <laughs> Pam, Pam. Spirit of the night. Uh, and a group of cunning sorcerers. And he'd also, like, in the midst of, of these uh, boss fights, he had taken out a shit ton of goblins and cannibals and witches and all sorts of things. So he he's just completed, basically, a big um, Dark Souls run yeah sure um so he he feels like he's a pretty rad lad as a result of all this um
0: did he do all this for fun or because they were running amok or something
2: unclear um okay
0: <laughs> just 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 glory came, acro- yeah. came across his
1: desk and
2: yeah it's like oh go go murder a bunch of magicians or whatever yeah it's it's a tuesday <laughs> better get that going
0: Oh, this will net me 5 mythic stones. I need those.
2: <laughs> I got to I got to do the grind, the cannibal grind. <laughs> what? He fought a bunch She's of Just doing can- his yeah, can- his
0: daily cannibal raid, yeah, he- trying to get the mount to drop.
2: <laughs> get those runes. Uh, so he was bragging to a woman that he had run out of things to subdue. <laughs> Just like, man, I have <laughs> I've reached the end game, I've done New Game Plus, I've got the DLC, i have just need the out. expansion pass. Yeah. Uh, so the woman laughed at him and said, are you sure? You sure, buddy? Did you, did you find all the, like, Easter eggs and hidden rooms or whatever?
0: <laughs> did you find the baby?
2: There is still one unconquered, and nothing can overcome him. Uh, so Glooscap's like, who's this scrub? I'll take him <laughs> on. <laughs> Point me in their direction. And she tells him, uh, he's called Wasis, but I would advise you just not to deal with him.
0: Can you spell that?
2: Uh W-A-S-I-S. So Wasis, as you might have guessed from the the premise here, is in fact a baby.
0: (laughs) An unbeatable baby. (laughs)
2: He sat on the floor, sucking on a piece of maple sugar and crooning a little song to himself, as babies do.
0: Where is this floor?
2: Also unclear. (laughs)
0: Just where he lives,
2: it's just like she pointed to a random house where our baby exists, I suppose,
0: <laughs> an unconquerable baby
2: uh so Glooskap, like a lot of us, just had not had any no idea how to deal with kids. He hadn't really had any experience. he was unmarried, he didn't have kids of his own, I guess he'd never uncled or anything um so a little out of his depth with this uh gurgling pile of miniature human. Um but he smiled with confidence at the baby and asked it to come to him.
1: Yeah. The baby
2: smiled back, as babies do when they are smiled at, but it did not move. So Glooscap imitated the sound of a beautiful bird. Just singing at it, I guess to entice it. Um, babies love
0: that shit. Yeah,
2: they they fucking love birds. Uh this baby has some sugar in it. They love Bach,
0: Beethoven and birds. (laughs) In that order,
2: it's also the order in which their smarts improve.
0: <laughs> <laughs> their bonus to int,
2: yes. Um, this baby has some fucking sugar that it's dealing with, so it's it's not moving for anything.
0: Yeah, you're gonna have to do better than sugar, my dude. <laughs>
2: yeah, and good, good luck. fucking luck. Maybe <laughs> already has candy, so you're not you're not enticing it anywhere. Um.
0: Certainly not for a fucking bird.
2: no, the baby does not give two shits about his whistling he has sticky sticky sugar candies to deal with um, so this immediately reveals the fragility of Glooscap's masculinity.
0: <laughs>
2: we go he's undone. We go from zero to full escalation <laughs> in the course of one baby refusing to answer a bird call.
0: he pulls the blades out. <laughs>
2: Uh, I guess he's just not used to being ignored. Uh, it said he wasn't used to this sort of treatment, which is, I suppose, just <laughs> not having orders followed immediately. So... Yeah.
0: He knows what babies are, right?
2: Uh, apparently not.
0: Has he ever seen one before?
2: I assume he's heard of them. But I, I suppose this might be the first time he's ever interacted with anyone younger than Eleven uh so he goes from trying to entice with a bird song to uh threatening and, and rage-filled tones and ordering the baby to come to him at once and this might work on like a, a full child but on a baby it just creates more noise
0: yeah they don't they don't know what that is no
2: now you're just scary so the baby howls as only a frightened baby is capable of howling. Uh, and, sure. And this drowns out all of Glooscap's yelling.
0: <laughs> it's a loud baby.
2: Yeah. Uh, and the baby still didn't move toward him.
1: Is, is the baby physically capable?
2: Presumably crawlable.
0: If it's got. But again, busy.
2: Yeah, if it's got sugar in its mouth and lungs of this capacity, it can probably crawl. Uh, but yeah. I too am uh, operating from a very limited experience of baby. Um,
0: it's keeping its head up.
2: Yeah, it seems it's not lolling around. So uh, I, th- I think I think it can move itself around a bit. I forget when my niece managed to handle her own locomotion to any extent. I do remember it being weird. <laughs> the whole the whole thing's weird. People are weird.
0: Strange creatures. Yep.
2: Life is such an odd thing.
0: <laughs> um, it took this man screaming at this baby for us to realize that.
2: Yep, that's the real meaning of this <laughs> Baby, You ever think
0: about how life is weird? <laughs> yeah,
2: like, the whole process... <laughs> as, you,
0: as you scream at an infant.
2: <laughs> the whole process of going from wailing infant to person screaming at a wailing infant is a very strange one. Um... <laughs> So this makes him matter, which I, I suppose I can understand. Like, it's not reasonable of him, but, you know, I was just at the grocery store and there were a lot of screaming babies there. And that does wear on the nerves after a very short period of time.
0: Yes. Um, By design, it seems.
2: Yeah. Uh, so he summons all of his magical resources to deal <laughs> with this problem. He recited some terrible spells and some dreadful incantations, not sure what the specifics of the results of these were. Um, then he moved on to singing the songs that raised the dead, which is uh Mersey in the email uh like enticing tagline for the story is like raising a zombie <laughs> apocalypse because a baby won't listen to you. <laughs> uh and songs sure. that would scare the devil back into hiding. So yeah, this uh this magical demigod is having a full-on power tantrum right back at a baby who's screaming at him.
0: I have a question, yes. kind of a detour. All right. But still on topic, strangely enough. Um do you think he would get along with the Monkey King or do you think they would fucking hate each other?
2: Um I'm going to vote uh, an enemies to lovers situation. I love it. <laughs> Actually, if if someone writes that fanfic, I would I would read it. Of <laughs> Monkey King and Goosecap enemies to lovers. <laughs> There's a lot of that same seems... chaotic energy though for sure.
0: Yeah, they they share a lot of uh personality quirks. Uh Inevitable
1: that they fall in love.
2: Yeah, I think the Monkey King has like a little bit more of a a light hearted spirit to his <laughs> rampant destruction and to murder. his whimsy. Yeah, whereas a uh, Gloosecap seems a little bit more serious.
0: Both quick to anger,
2: both full of unspeakable powers.
0: Yes, yeah, so that as well,
2: <laughs> and happy to mess with people. Um. Uh, I would watch this story as an animated short just for this moment though (laughs) where a baby is is sitting and screaming its head off and then a a demigod is like pulling out all the magical stops
0: drains his full mana bar
2: (laughs) just like (laughs) shooting spells out left and right raising the dead around them um it's
0: it's fucking night on bald mountain (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) Uh, some something about the, um, uh, the list of spells and, and things that this guy does, I guess the baby runs out of, like, tantrum steam, and is just watching this happen, because the baby smiles at all these things and looks a little bored, <laughs> because none of them are more interesting than sugar.
0: <laughs> Not even fucking walking skeletons can take a baby from its candy.
2: Yeah, <laughs> So the baby is young enough not to have context for a zombie apocalypse, I suppose. Where, like, there, there's not enough... It's just
0: new stimulus. Yeah,
2: like, we haven't seen enough of the yeah. world to know what's not right about this situation. <laughs>
0: what? Like... what should and shouldn't be in it.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, oh, this is happening now. Yesterday it was colors <laughs> and ABCs, and now it's <laughs> a zombie apocalypse. Well, you know, world's weird.
0: Is...
1: Yeah. <laughs> The world's a funny old place where that can happen, I guess (laughs) Hmm. The the sky got mad and made a big noise And everyone acted like that was fine
0: I'm just gonna roll with it I got sugar
2: It can't be that bad, right? Uh, So I guess he ran out of spells eventually or, Or out of steam or something Regardless, he just He rushes from the hut in absolute despair Just cannot handle it anymore Uh, hopefully, with a newfound appreciation for young mothers.
0: I mean, this is not quite accurate, but it's it is borderline. Like I've tried nothing, and I'm all out of ideas. Because <laughs> yeah. he did try some things; they were just absolutely not the things to try.
2: He tried two things, and then he had a tantrum. <laughs> I would not classify creating a zombie apocalypse as trying a thing as to an solve an a problem. <laughs> that's that's a lashing out,
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of other uh avenues that could have been taken that seem like common sense,
2: yeah, he tried asking and then he tried whistling,
0: demanding,
2: and then yeah, I guess or he y- tried three <laughs> things, he tried asking, he tried whistling, and then he tried yelling, and then he was out of ideas. yeah, I did forget about potential.
0: I forgot about his stupid bird
1: trick, it's usually the the first three ports of call. <laughs> They're really like if if the whistling doesn't do it, I I don't have much hope for yelling.
2: <laughs> uh, so well, he ran out defeated, and the baby sat on the floor and made baby noises, most specifically "goo goo."
1: Now, who does this baby belong to? Unclear. <laughs> and, and where is its owner?
2: Also unclear. <laughs> Hopefully, like gloating in the background. <laughs> Maybe the owner is the woman that he was bragging to, and she's like, "Yeah, whatever. You defeated, you defeated sorcerers, right? All right, I want you to spend ten minutes with my baby.
1: Good luck.
0: <laughs> Defeat my baby,
1: if you is this, dare." Is this like a like a Freaky Friday thing
2: to like teach him the the power, like to understand and, and appreciate yeah. what the other people are doing.
1: Yeah, like not, other people have it tough too. It's not all it's not all zombie uprisings and sorcerers and cannibals that need <laughs> killing.
2: I think we could very quickly turn this into that. and uh, That would be a quite interesting take on the situation. So let's discuss that in just a minute because I have one more sentence to finish this out. Uh, which okay. is that to this day when a baby says goo, he is remembering the time when he conquered the mighty glooscap.
0: I had a feeling that that was going to be so This the origin story of this.
2: Yeah, this is the origin tale of Goo Goo Gaga.
1: Ah, yes,
2: of course. Which is essentially, fuck you, Glooscap, bring on the
0: zombies. <laughs> that is an incredible recontextualization of that phrase. <laughs> Whenever you hear a baby doing that, they are gloating for the victory of their ancestor.
2: <laughs> I also appreciate the...
0: Over a mighty demigod.
2: The, um... The implication here that like in baby form there's like a separate collective unconscious Yeah that they're pulling from. Yeah. Which I suppose I've, is the I've also seen the premise baby of geniuses. baby geniuses, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this might also be the origin story of the film Baby Jesus Geniuses. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright. What happens to this baby when it grows up? Nothing wholly unremarkable. This was the greatest moment of its life and it doesn't even know it or remember it.
2: Yeah, it's all downhill from here. This is worse than peaking in high school. <laughs>
0: peak, peak as infant.
2: You'll never win that sports ball game again, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like um, we could indeed Freaky Friday this. Like, expand out this concept into a full freaky friday situation
0: just saying that everybody has a role to fulfill
2: yeah like maybe i don't know that this is it's
0: it's cool that you killed those cannibals but also some of us just have to take care of a baby (laughs) like
2: we might have to separate this a little bit from the folk hero goose because i don't know if this would be true of his character but like a, a hero type character who has like done many mighty deeds and a lot of insanities and turned people into turtles and invented new sports, um, and he's and he's starting to feel real full of himself. And I would like to expand that sentence of the story into like the whole ordinary world part of the hero's journey where he's he's gotten a little big for his britches and is not appreciating ordinary life her- heroism until finally a mother of a young baby <laughs> gets fed up of Put- his shit
0: puts him in his fucking place
2: that says specifically he's not married and has never dealt with kids so it would be yeah. if we needed her to have like a, a direct relationship to him like a, a sister or something might be fine um or it's just like This this one woman in town for whatever reason is the the one who is just done with his crap. Um,
0: He just crossed the wrong person this time.
2: Yeah, and
0: with his gloating,
2: and maybe he like puts down what other people are doing a little bit. It's like, oh, you think that's hard? Like, I I'll carry your try to fight
0: a cannibal god. Yeah. (laughs)
2: Um, Ending this story a little bit later. Where he, he actually has to learn that lesson and be trained in baby conquering.
0: And then there's just a montage of him like at the changing table and reading it a book and
2: yeah. Oh, it might be interesting if if it was a story about like a hero who also expected to get the girl because of the heroism, and the girl happened to to like be the recently widowed mother of the child or whatever. Have a baby. Yeah. <laughs> um you could explore all kinds of interesting things there yeah and then then he's basically doing uh there was that was it vin diesel in a a babysitter movie i never saw it i just know the trailers
0: you can name any large man and he has been in a babysitting movie okay
2: well this would be one of those
0: (laughs) is that is that true i feel like that has to be true I think
1: I th- I think you know the 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 big three definitely have right.
0: Who are and D- that is Vin Diesel, Diesel The
1: Rock, and, and who Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger, yes,
0: famous famous big man. Absolutely, all three of them have. But like, I feel like Dave Batista is in that category now, also. That's right. Yeah, An- another famous big man. <laughs> we
2: just love. Can parent. we
0: think of any other big man? Big
2: man with baby. That is that is a favorite Hollywood parent.
1: <laughs> is it? Is it's my, it weird it's my that favorite the...
0: Samurai story, big man with baby. <laughs> is it
1: weird that the Triple X franchise replaced Vin Diesel with Ice Cube?
0: Briefly, and then returned to Vin Diesel. But that that's that is that is
1: strange, yes?
0: Yeah, it is. Okay. And it didn't seem to work out for them because they did that return is... to Vin Diesel. <laughs> That, yeah, that has been st- just
1: stuck, stuck in my craw for like two decades. <laughs> or however long it's been.
2: I think they should replace the Fast and the Furious ride at Universal with a Vin Diesel plus baby ride. Because <laughs> it would probably make more sense than the current Fast and the Furious ride they have. Have I talked about that one on here? You have not. Alright, so this is the... <laughs> There are two rides at Universal. It's
0: just the the closing of the tangent sandwich.
2: Yeah, why not? Yeah. Two rides at Universal um, that probably need to be reversed in premise and make absolutely no fucking sense for why there are rides in the first place. And the first one is the Fast and the Furious ride, and the second one is the Jimmy Fallon experience. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> two rides at Universal. They don't make sense.
1: There's a, there's a ride based on Jimmy Fallon? Correct. I do do not know how
0: you turn that into a ride. Right. Did you say that they had to be reversed? Yes. In okay. Yes, the That's ride concepts need to be reversed. <laughs> That's absolutely, what I was hoping you said. Yes.
2: Um, so, so if you were in line for a Fast and the Furious ride experience, what kind of theme park ride would you be expecting?
1: Car. Yeah, some kind of car that goes. I mean, probably just like a roller coaster.
0: Yeah, a car that car has, has you in it.
2: Car go fast. Maybe like a
0: one of those 3D ones that it's just one room, but they like bop it around while you're in it. Like a dark room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're pretending yeah. to be in a car with Vin Diesel. And he says, hit Maybe. the nitrous. We're going to go fast, furiously.
2: Uh, the average speed of the Fast and the Furious ride is about five miles per hour.
0: Hmm. It's neither fast nor furious.
2: Yeah, as, like um, as the fellow at the front explained to us when we were like checking for you know injuries and, and like illness causing uh-huh. things um, for our party, they're like, yeah, it's more like the slow and the curious, <laughs> uh, which was about the the I'm... level of energy the employees brought to the experience leading up to the ride itself as well. <laughs>
1: quite an intellectual approach <laughs> yeah um
2: now the premise of it is that a group of like 50 of us are on a party bus yeah and we like drive slowly to the party which is just a bunch of largely ladies in bikini tops and short shorts dancing around going Woo! love that um and then i guess I have never watched these films. I guess the villain of the film is tracking our phones or something, and now we're <laughs> now the party bus has to escape the cops or the villains or the something or other, and all the strong guys are there and then it's you're on the party bus and there are cars going fast around you,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: you're basically watching a movie from inside the bus <laughs> of <laughs> other things being fast in your proximity. <laughs> and because it's a large bus you don't get i think they're you're supposed to feel like you're going fast too but you're in a very large ride thing so there's sure. there is no possibility of feeling like you are um having cool speed and and quick turns or anything
0: is it air conditioned at least yeah
2: it's cool they occasionally spray water on you whoa yeah
0: let's not get too crazy
2: And then then you make it to the party at the end. Yay! Everyone's favorite part about the movies is going to the party. Um, And then then the Jimmy Fallon experience is...
0: I am now terrified (laughs) for what you're about to explain because you did say that you needed them to be reversed. And now I am imagining that somehow this Jimmy Fallon experience features blistering speed. (laughs)
2: But first, it features the most confusing line I've ever been in. Uh, so it's like standard line situation, and you're kind of going through the history of the Tonight Show. like a Q thing, yeah. Um, and that part's sort of interesting, um, but it feels sort of like being on Thirty Rock for a little <laughs> bit. Um, and then you it opens up into this big room, and there are a lot of chairs and charging stations and things. It's like okay, and then at the end of it is a stage where there's somebody in a panda suit dancing.
0: <laughs> uh-huh.
2: So we walked there because that seemed to be where we were supposed to go. Like, it was one of those Corralda people into a place. And then there were just clips yeah. of, the, like, the panda stopped dancing and went backstage. And then there were just clips of The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon playing. And everyone was just sort of confused. There weren't that many people here because, shockingly to everyone, I'm sure, the Jimmy Fallon experience does not, like, bring in the crowds.
0: <laughs> not a big draw. <laughs> um... And then, no one's wasting their fast passes on that one. Then
2: finally, uh this this one young fellow with like a a huge mop of curly hair comes around the corner and he's like, Does anyone else have any idea what we're supposed to be doing? Like, is this the ride? We're like, I don't know. And he's like, Alright, let's go find someone And so he he gathered the crowd of confused people <laughs> and led us <laughs> through the lines and in the middle of the large walkway down to the place where the panda was dancing, there is off to the left an unmarked opening that you don't notice because like all the stuff is on the right or forward um but did the you, actual
0: did you do a Jimmy Fallon escape room? <laughs>
2: Maybe maybe that is part of what this is supposed to be. Um, but yeah, to the, to the left was was the actual entrance to the ride itself. And we're like, what are, is this where we're supposed to go? And they're like, oh, yeah, we thought you guys were just interested in watching the clips. And they're like, well, absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs>
0: you, you, you seemed like a weird group that were all very invested in these clips of Jimmy Fallon. Uh,
2: and then, then it's a stationary roller coaster that is a race through New York. And the to,
0: to, like, get to the Jimmy Fallon show? You're, like,
2: racing Jimmy Fallon. Wh- why? <laughs> I That part I don't know. Uh, most of what's happening in the race I don't know. Briefly, we're on the moon. Sometimes we're underwater. At one point he threw pizza at us because it's, it's using that, like, 3D technology and it's yeah. it seems to have forgotten that the 3D technology has been around for quite some time and no one is awed by Impressed. it anymore. So you don't have to do the do everything that can make 3D stand out situation Um, so yeah we raced Jimmy Fallon like underneath the ports of New York and up to the moon and all kinds of (laughs) but it felt way faster (laughs) than the Fast and the Furious ride and it made like it. It was a car race. It made a lot more sense as a Fast and the Furious <laughs> ride than the Fast and the Furious ride did. It still wasn't worth doing. Don't get me wrong. Not not a good ride. Um,
0: did Did you win the race? I
2: I don't, Tyler. I honestly don't even know. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. Because by the end of it, we're just like, what is happening? However...
1: This is certainly the the closest I'm ever going to get to experiencing this. Yeah, for sure. If you
2: are ever in Universal, however, I would recommend getting into the line for the Jimmy Fallon experience because there is, at the end of it, a large open room with cushioned seatings and chargers for your phones where nobody is there.
0: You just live there.
2: And that's it's the best part of the park. <laughs> it's the best place in the park. And then you can go... You can leave... You don't have and, to go on the ride at all.
0: Yeah, if the if the Curly Man comes to get you, you just say, no, I'm loving these clips, man. Let me just chill here for a bit.
2: Yeah. It's perfect.
0: <laughs> Leave my presence, Curly Man.
2: I don't remember how we, oh, we got here because we needed to replace the Fast and the Furious ride with Vin Diesel and a baby. Um, yes. Because I feel like a party bus dealing with uh, like a Glooscap baby situation would be a little bit more of an interesting ride experience. Or at least not
0: Can- a clear
2: disappointment.
0: Can we combine all these experiences together?
2: The Jimmy Fallon, Fast and the Furious, and Glooscap and the baby?
0: Yeah, where we are we are not racing Jimmy Fallon through the harbor and up to the moon or anything. We are assisting Vin Diesel in reclaiming a baby that has gotten away from him that somehow gets to the moon.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, so Vin Diesel and as it's kind Glooscap. of like a
0: madcap race throughout New York City as this baby... Does like a look who's talking situation.
2: Actually, yes, I think I think this would work way better than either of those rides too, because we can pull in all of Glooscap's like magic tantrum stuff. <laughs> so vin Diesel as Glooscap is having a magical tantrum and calling up a zombie apocalypse and also like apparently ten thousand other spells that were not described at all, so we have a lot of creative lessons. <laughs> um and some of it can involve throwing pizza, I suppose. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's his most mighty spell
2: the pizza Chuck
0: the Zossling
2: meanwhile a baby is just off in pursuit of more candy and somehow gets to the moon as a result of this (laughs) bada bing bada boom a ride that still makes more sense than either of those you're welcome
0: (laughs) maybe uh, maybe he sells a, a couple more tickets than Jimmy Fallon would yeah so are we done now? I
2: guess so. we've turned <laughs> we've turned this story into a universal theme park ride, which is maybe a first.
0: No, we've done rides before, but it has been a while. Mm,
2: okay. Well, thank you, Marcy, for suggesting this uh, this story to us. Sorry if we did not do it any justice at all. <laughs> um. Thank you to everyone who gave us the same trust that I'm giving Ursula K. Le and sticking with us through this very tangent filled episode of What the Folklore?
0: Sorry that we failed you. Again. <laughs>
2: Repeatedly. We've not earned your trust, so the fact that you keep giving it is perhaps something to be concerned about.
0: At some point, it's on you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, thank you to all of our patrons for, for sponsoring the show and uh, and a special thank you this week to all of the patrons who responded to my uh call for music that feels folkloric to you because I desperately needed to infuse both YouTube and Spotify with different things so that it would start to <laughs> suggest new music to me uh and you guys came out in, in full force uh with Is a lot that of really uh, the great...
0: experiment paid off yeah
2: I've got, got a lot of cool new music and now I get to, well, on Monday, I'll get to see what Discover Weekly has uh, decided I need to listen to now. <laughs> um, which hopefully will be not the same things that it has been suggesting to me for the past month. Uh, so thank you all for that. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon for a dollar a month, you can find, under media recommendations, a whole shitload of folkloric-esque music um, to add to your own playlist. Uh, thank you, of course, to our top tier patrons. Uh, Pangea, Lucky, Lunan, Maxwell, Queen Savagery in Exile, Trickery Treats wants to meet the next inductee to the Church of the Knife, Heirius, Midori, Baby Grandma, Becca, Lobster no longer, Kelly, Haley, but like a second one now, Big Prince want dance, Awkward, Project Bird Birdfall informant, Funky Little Strawberry, Lemur, Spaghetto floating around in a duck pond, Caitlin, Danielle, an increasingly distressed Fay, Olwen, Queen of Terrible Taste, Allie, New Year, New Dad, Coba's cat, Vespa does not remember how she got to the woods. Versus Keeper of Too Many OCs, Pyrus, Nathan the Scot, Alex, Banjo Bug, Dastardly Dave Dare's difficult descriptor, Maya, Greg, Oetic Prince of the Arcane, High Listus of Wimbus, Yowie Yowie, a dubious little creature, Haley, Dominic, Justin, Lily, Izzy, and Jenna. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
2: Thank you always, Doug.
1: Thanks, Doug. Thanks, Doug.
2: We're what the folklore. That's how it works. Trilladity, howdy
0: hook.
2: Happily
0: ever after.
1: this has been what the folklore thanks for listening to our show if you have story suggestions for us please send them to wtfolklore at gmail.com and follow us on facebook and twitter Special thanks to the Brobdingnagian Bards for the use of their song Happily Ever After from their album Brobdingnagian Fairy Tales. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.